NFL Draft Day to you all, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and it is going to be one heck of a day. Can't wait till tonight to see who's going to go first in the NFL Draft and what every team is going to do to try to improve themselves. It's a great, great day, and I am just waiting just hours away from the NFL Draft. Now, in some breaking news that happened late yesterday, uh, Matt Caldwell, the president of the Panthers, has said that the NHL is planning on resuming in the month of July. Once again, the NHL has put together a plan that would allow them to finish the season in July. A lot of teams, if you didn't know it and you forgot what was going on in the NHL, a lot of teams within three points of one another to win their division. So, you know, there was there was some close playoff races going on in the NHL, and they're looking at a couple different plans, uh, obviously, on where to play these games talking about five different states. But as more word comes out to the exact information on the plan, we will report it to you. But once again, the NHL and supposedly the NBA as well as working together with the NHL to resume playing in the month of July. So you heard that first here. Now, we have a lot of things going on today, and we're going to you know, really, really drill down, you know, into some of the NFL drafts. Today is a day where you're going to hear a bunch of rumors about this happening, that happening. But until these things actually come to tuition, we're not going to report them. Um, The one thing that has come out, which we did report on our live NFL draft episode that was actually recorded on Sunday is as we plan, as we thought might happen, the uh, Miami Dolphins have been in contact with the Cincinnati Bengals about switching picks in the NFL draft. The Dolphins now have the fifth overall pick and the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, have the number one pick. But according to our sources, Cincinnati has no interest at this time in trading their pick. So as of now, Cincinnati has declined to trade their number one pick to the Miami Dolphins for the Dolphins' fifth pick. As more news comes available, we will let you know. Now... I'm going to get into, before we get into some football talk, and later on in the show, we're going to have Hunt Palmer of the LSU Tigers uh, Football Network. He's going to be joining us. We're going to be discussing LSU football, about their national championship win, and also, you know, we're definitely going to talk about Joe Burrows and tonight's number one pick. So later on in the show, we will have Hunt Palmer on. But yesterday, it came down that Robert Manfred Jr., the commissioner of Major League Baseball, um, 
decision on the Red Sox invest investigation has come down. So, basically, what has happened is the commissioner handed down discipline regarding the investigation into the Red Sox sign still investigation. Um, following an exhaustive investigation into the allegations of improper use of the video replay room by the Boston Red Sox, I have come to the following conclusion, Manfred says. I find that J.T. Watkins, that's the Red Sox video replay system operator, on at least some occasions during the 2018 regular season, utilized the game feeds in the replay room in violation of MLB regulations to revise sign sequence information that he had permissibly provided to players prior to the game. Okay, number two, I find that unlike the Houston Astros, that's unlike the Houston Astros 2017 conduct in which players communicated to the batter from the dugout area in real time the precise type of pitch about to be thrown, Watkins' conduct by its very nature was far more limited in scope and impact. The information was only relevant when the Red Sox had a runner on second base, which was about 19.7% of the time. And Watkins communicated sign sequences in a manner that indicated that, had, that he had decoded from the game feed in only a small percentage of those occurrences. I do not find that man, the men manager, Alex Cora, the Red Sox coaching staff and the Red Sox front office or most of the players, and I repeat, we're going to get into that in a minute, most of the players on the 2018 Red Sox knew or should have known that Watkins was utilizing in-game video to update the information that he had learned from his pregame analysis. I find that the Red Sox front office consistently communicated MLB sign-stealing rules to non-player staff and made commendable efforts toward instilling a culture of compliance in their organization. So those are the facts of the investigation. This is the discipline. Based on the findings that I just described, he says, I hereby issue the following discipline. J.T. Watkins shall be suspended for the 2020 season and 2020 postseason. When Watkins returns from the suspension, he will be prohibited from serving as the replay room operator during any game for the 2021 season and postseason. The Boston Red Sox will forfeit their second-round selection in the 2020 first-year player draft. Eric, Alex Cora, who was then the manager, will be suspended through the conclusion of the 2020 postseason for his conduct not with the Red Sox, but with the Houston Astros. No other members of the 2018 Red Sox staff will be disciplined because I do not find that anyone was aware or should have been aware of Watkins' conduct. And it goes on and on, and then the Red Sox issue a response saying, oh, how sorry they are. They're a first-class team. They don't go for that. And all the BS that is involved after they found out they were guilty. Now, this is my issue. Number one, 
most players weren't involved. When someone says most players are not involved, what they're telling me is that there are some players that are involved. And once again, Robert Manfred fails to do his job as commissioner and for some reason refuses to penalize, just like with the Houston Astros, the players that are involved. Okay, 19% of the time, they, they cheated. Okay, number one, it doesn't matter if you cheat 1%, 19%, or 100% of the time, cheating is cheating, just like stealing is stealing. I mean... I don't understand where you differentiate the difference. They're both cheating. That's number one. Number two, when runners are on second base. So basically when they have a chance to score runs, you're cheating at the most high-pressure time of a ball game. When you're trying to drive runners in, you're cheating. You're basically cheating. So it's kind of like saying that, Every two innings, you're cheating. You'll cheat for two innings, you'll stop. You'll cheat for two innings, you'll stop. That's the same percentage of a ball game. Okay, and for these players, once again, not to be disciplined, just shows you how much Robert Manfred lacks a backbone. And we talked about in several situations about how Robert Manfred does not live up to the position that he is filling. How don't you suspend players? Number, the other thing is we have not heard which players. We don't know which players. At least in the Astros, we got, you know, we we got names of some players that were involved. And I don't know if down the road they're going to go ahead and decide to let us know which players did or did not cheat. But remember, the thing says most players didn't cheat. Now, the only guy getting in trouble here is the replay video man. Okay, you you know, I find it hard to believe, and Major League Baseball is saying in the investigation that Alex Cora did not cheat with the Red Sox, then... I guess we don't have a choice but to believe the investigation that was done. But to try to convince me that Alex Cora was, you know, obviously Carlos Beltran was the big initiator with the Houston Astros cheating scandal. But for someone to try to tell me that Alex Cora, who was also involved in the Houston Astros cheating scandal, had nothing to do with the Red Sox cheating scandal... I just find that hard to believe. You know, you brought something over with you that worked. I, I I just find it hard to believe. Then you got the players. What are you doing about the players? You know, Robert Manfred comes out when the Houston Astros, um, some of the players like Altuve and whoever else was involved, said, I don't want to see bad, you know, these guys come up to plate and retaliation be taken. Well, The reason why retaliation is going to be taken is the fact that you didn't have a backbone to make a decision to penalize these guys. Everybody in this scandal, everyone except some of the managers, have gotten off scot-free. 
Nothing has happened to him. This is worse than using steroids, my friends. Understand this, my listeners. I want everybody to understand this. Steroids is something that you take, does not hit a baseball, does not throw a ball, does not throw to a location, does not bunt a baseball, does not catch a baseball, okay, does not throw a baseball. All it does is add strength. This is actual cheating. This is cheating. This is taking the game and cheating the game, whereas the other is you're cheating yourself. You're, you're, you're ingesting that. Whereas this one, you are purposely cheating. You are stealing signs and doing so much bad for the game. Explain to me how Pete Rose doesn't make the Hall of Fame because he's betting against baseball. He's not cheating. All he's doing is betting for his team as far as we know. He's saying, my team's going to win. I'm very confident. Boom. Here's a couple thousand million bucks. Boom. I bet it. These players are cheating. So, you know, I can go on and on and on about this. But once again, another Major League Baseball team involved in cheating is getting off scot-free. So basically what Robert Manfred is telling these players is it's okay to cheat. As long as you come forward and tell me you cheat, I'm going to give you whatever the word is, immunization, where you won't get in trouble. So go ahead and cheat. The only one that will get in trouble are the people above you. I I just don't understand it. You know, I I just don't understand it. And like I said, once again, as far as my opinion goes, Robert Manfred fails again in his position. Want to remind you all, if you have any topics, concerns, thoughts you want to talk about, you can go right here on our link. There is a voice message link. Go ahead and leave a message. We'll play it next time um, on our episode, and we'll also answer the question. Also, we have a Twitter page, at Larry Frankis, ends in the U.S. Follow me, listen to me, like me. Go to our uh, Facebook page. It's been getting unbelievable reviews. Like our Facebook page. We put the most updated news and podcasts on that page. So you want to make sure you go ahead and like our page. You will also, if I didn't say it, reach us at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. When we come back a little bit later, we're going to have Hunt Palmer join us from the LSU Radio Network. And we're going to also talk some NFL draft. We'll be back right after this message. They're getting ready to make a decision, they say. Seven foot three, Purdue. World of potential. Right now he had ten schools, but he's narrowed it down to three. Kentucky, Texas Tech, and BYU. You think one of those three coaches would be ecstatic when Matt Arms picks up the phone and says, I'm coming with you? BYU's got a potential good team. Texas Tech has a team that could be really great next year. I mean great. And Kentucky's always going to be super. So he fits in all three. He would be such a plus. Hey, in the world of sports, football, the draft's coming up. I'm telling you, Miami, 
You better not pass on two of that left hand. He's got stardom all over him. Forget about the wonder lick, okay? All I know is he knows how to get six, baby. And I would take him in a heartbeat. Yes, you got a little question about health. Bottom line is, he will be fine. He's got swag. He's got a winner's mentality. Hey, also, when you think about the world of sports, we got the draft. We got one about cash transferring. It's incredible what's going on. Bottom line is, it's supposed to be very quiet. And it is quiet. Hey, I'll close with this. Are you serious? Are you serious? Number 12, here he is. Steps back. He finds Gronkowski in the end zone. And the Bucks. yes, sir, they're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Brady to Gronkowski. It's going to be awesome, baby, with a couple of... And I'm not jumping in today. No, 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 no. That was all good, buddy. Dickie V. I tell you what, he's still excited I mean, as everybody down in the Tampa Bay area is about um, Rob Gronkowski coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, as we get into some football talk, I thought it was real interesting because I did listen to the press conference. And if you did not listen to the press conference, there is a tape on the Frankly Speaking Facebook page. That's why I keep telling you people to like it listen to it and follow it because we try to put as much information on that page as possible and we have the entire press conference replayed on the Facebook page, frankly speaking, of Rob Gronkowski. But I thought it was interesting um, that we found out yesterday that this was not the first time Gronkowski's been traded. And it was about two years ago. I was actually traded to the Detroit Lions, and I called up, and I got the phone call, and this was I was contemplating if I should retire or not about two years ago, and I was like, you just traded me to the Lions. I go, oh, I'm retired. Like, I don't know how that trade can go through. And then two days later, the trade never went through. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to trade yeah. you? That's yeah, crazy. I got traded. I what told that story wrong? before last year. I never heard that. Yeah, and I, then I was like, that. oh, no, I'm retired. How can you trade me? <laughs> and I stayed on the Patriots. <laughs> 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 is that unbelievable unbelievable so he was actually traded what he's saying to the detroit lions but when he found out he was traded to the detroit lions he decided that uh hey forget this i'm not playing with the detroit lions i'm retired so that's how he retired from football so what what an amazing story that is. I I thought I thought that was real funny. Now a reminder, we're gonna have Hunt Palmer. He does the pre and post game shows on the LSU Tigers football network. We're gonna be talking obviously about the national championship that LSU went as they went undefeated last year. And we're gonna also be talking about tonight's projected number one pick, Joe Burris, the quarterback out of LSU. And I was also watching Joey Yesterday, um, he was talking about how failure has really helped him. You're at Ohio State behind some incredible players, Big Ten players of the year, and, and didn't get a chance to start there. You know, lost out in a battle to Dwayne Haskins. You've got to transfer to LSU. Um, by your admission, your junior year maybe wasn't what you wanted it to be at LSU. But then all of a sudden, it pops and it works out. And so you, you've had to fight for where you're at. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there and, and you're almost the anointed one, the Heisman Trophy winner, the national championship quarterback, the presumptive number one pick in the NFL draft. Is it odd for you to feel this situation 
the situation that you're in, knowing that what has made you successful in large part is being that fighter. Yeah, but the thing to me is, you know, this, you know, being the anointed one or the number one overall pick, that's a snapshot of my career. Mm. And, you know, the career that nobody saw was the getting beaten out, the not winning the starting job, the not being recruited. Um, everyone just sees this, you know, last eight months when, you know, I started balling and, you know, nobody sees the, the hard work that goes into it and the disappointments and the failures behind it. So that's really, you know, what's inside of me. I still remember all the, you know, the, the slights and the doubts. Um, so that's, that's not what keeps me going because what drives me is being the best, but it's part of it. For the best NFL coverage. And that was Joey Burrows talking a little bit about, you know, how he failed and what what motivates him. And you got to remember, this is a guy that, you know, before 2019, nobody even really heard of him. You know, he went to, like they said, he played under behind Dwayne Haskins at OSU, never really got a chance to do anything there, comes over to LSU in 2018, plays 13 games, uh, throws roughly for a little over 2,000 yards, just, you know, a real decent, you know, very decent uh, year, but nothing spectacular. And then, you know, in 2019, a year later, Okay, he wins the Heisman Trophy. His team wins the national championship. Okay, out of, had 402 completions out of 527 attempts. If, if you're not good with math, that's 76.3% completion ratio. He had 5,671 yards passing. He had another over 300 yards rushing. 60 touchdowns, 6-0 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. And for those of you that follow all these different numbers, had a passing rating, listen to this, over 200, over 200. So I'm really looking forward to having Hunt Palmer on in a little bit. Well, we're going to have him on shortly here. Um... All right, on our Frankly Speaking Network. And for those of you Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Bud Dupree, the defensive end for the Pittsburgh Steelers, had signed has signed his franchise tender. So he will that's all said and that's going into the draft tonight. So your defensive end is all locked up. And like I said, all throughout the day you're gonna hear different things going on in NFL. Draft rumors, trade rumors, you know, when things become official, that is when we will let you know. We don't want to speculate. We want to give you the facts and be 100% accurate with the information we give you. Now, for you Arkansas Razorback fans, try to get as much news to you as possible. And if you haven't heard, the offensive line overall continues in Fayetteville as new head coach Sam Pittman uh, recently picked up a commitment from Texas lineman 
Cole Carson. You know, he said when he came over that one of his main focuses was to fix the program's offensive line, and it was going to be one of the biggest challenges facing him. Well, yesterday, he definitely did that as uh, the standout from Rivercrest High School in Bocata, Texas, announced his pledge to join the Razorbacks. The six foot five, two hundred eighty-five pound Carson. He's rated as a three-star prospect, number forty-seventh offensive tackle in the country, and the number sixty-sixth overall prospect in the state of Texas. So Cole Carson is an Arkansas Razorback. See, we got some football news, and I'll tell you what—he—he's really doing a great job uh, to make sure that he's going to protect. Felipe Franks, who's slated to be their starting quarterback, the transfer from the Florida Gators. So another offensive lineman for your Arkansas Razorbacks. Reminder that momentarily we are going to have Hunt Palmer, the LSU Tigers, post and pregame football radio network host is going to be joining us live on Frankly Speaking. We'll be back right after this message. Athletes, the champ Muhammad Ali. He said, make every day count. Make every day important. I used to love the champ. I told him one time when I spoke at a big event, he was sitting in the front. I said, champ, I loved you, man. I loved it when you said to Sonny Liston, if the crowd dares to boo, I'm going to finish you in two. And if you ever call me a bum, I'm going to knock your sorry butt out in one. He was so special, and he was so optimistic. But again, he made every day count. He went out and battled to become the champ he was. And you can too. And whatever you pursue in your life, whatever your dreams may be. I know I was labeled as a kid by some of my friends, a boy of ball of dream. Chasing my dreams. You chase your dreams. You might catch them, but the only way you're going to catch them is by work ethic and working and making every day productive. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm Larry Frank. I want to remind you, if you have any questions, topics, concerns, you want to go over the NFL draft and ask some questions, go to Frankly Speaking 528 at gmail.com. You can also go to our Twitter account, at Larry Frankis. That's with the U.S. We provide you with as much information on Twitter as we can. A bunch of retweets. A bunch of knowledge. So make sure you follow us if you're not following us on Twitter. Also, we have a link right here. Leave a message. We'll listen to the message and we'll even play it on our next uh, episode of Frankly Speaking. Also, we have Frankly Speaking page on Facebook. You can leave messages all updated information is constantly on there. We already got that Bud Dupree already signed the tender with the Steelers already up on the Frankly Speaking Facebook page. That's how quick we do things here. So you can leave messages there, like us, follow us, listen to us. Also, if you want to sponsor us or donate to the show so we can continue to get the finest equipment... It, around so we can provide you with top network sports you can do so right out at the end of this podcast as well uh ladies and gentlemen uh it is my pleasure now to have on the frankly speaking hotline uh the post and pre-game show host 
of the LSU Tigers, works for the LSU Football Network, Hunt Palmer. Hunt, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good today. We get to watch, you know, it's not actually live sports, but it's live and it's, it's sports, so I guess that's a good thing after six weeks and up. Well, and especially a big day for you. Before we get into the NFL draft today, well, let me ask you, during this challenging time, how's everyone doing over there with your family and you? You know, my family's good. I'm good. It's, you know, down here in South Louisiana, it's a bit of a hotbed. I've got a lot of friends and family and work colleagues down in New Orleans, and it's been a difficult time down there. And I know some people that have been affected, um, so obviously it's it's very prevalent here. But, but my family's doing okay, and we understand that there's a lot bigger issues than wanting to watch sports. So we're trying to, trying to stay inside, trying to stay safe. Uh, let me ask you this, Hunt. Um, 2018, the uh, LSU Tigers football team goes 10-3, and 5-3 and three in the conference. A year later, they go undefeated, and they win the national championship. Uh, for, for all listeners out there, what does it feel like you know, you being a member of the LSU family, and explain to our listeners the emotional roller coaster from going from 2018 to the national championship in 2019. Well, I think entering 2018 season, um, you had very little hope around the LSU football program. Uh, you're coming off Ed Ogeron's first year as a full time head coach where. You were absolutely destroyed by Mississippi State early on. You lost to Troy. Um, not really competitive against Alabama, which had kind of been the benchmark over the last 10 years of what you were trying to achieve. And everybody kind of looked around and went, well, you know, this is not going to work. They've, they've made a hire. Uh, it, it, it's not going to work out. And you're just going to have to ride out the end of the Ed Ogeron regime until things they, they can hire a new coach and things can turn around. And you thought at that point that Miles Brennan was probably going to be the quarterback um, as a very young player, a guy who looked underdeveloped and probably wasn't ready. So they went out and they got a guy off Ohio State's bench to come in and compete. And we didn't know much about him. His spring game stats were all right, and he had a nice high school career, but he didn't really know. And he was thrust into action in the middle of the summer and then was the starter having been on campus for a very limited amount of time. And I thought Joe Burrow played okay in 2018. He was tough as nails. Um, he was very good in terms of decision-making, did not turn the ball over. Um, but, you know, it was an okay season. You lost three conference games, and um, he, he ended on a really heartbreaking note, trying to lose in a game uh, in seven overtimes at Texas A&M that you probably should have won three or four times, and it just it didn't fall your direction. And then you go beat Central Florida – without their quarterback in a bowl game. So and what what did you really know? Not a ton. It was a nice finish to the season, and Burrow had shown that he was improving in his first year as a college starter. But, you know, it wasn't anything to write home about. It. A 10-3 season is just okay at LSU. But I, I said many times um, entering last season, the 2019 season, that I felt as good about LSU at the quarterback spot entering that year as I had since really – 2006 with you, Marcus Russell. Now, LSU had had some good quarterback seasons since 2006. Matt Flynn did a really nice job in 2007. Zach Metberger's 2013 season was very, very good. But you didn't feel great entering those seasons because you didn't know. But the way that Burrow had played 
his maturity, uh, his decision making, kind of the skill set he had. You thought that he could have a pretty good year, and there was a lot of talent around it. Now, nobody could have foreseen what we saw over those four months at the end of 2019 and into January of 2020. But uh, there was a chance. And then, you know, they got hot and, and lit it up in their opener and then really made a statement at Texas that the offense was for real. And once the defense got healthy and got everything together the last half of the year, it was obvious that LSU was, to me, the best team in the country because there was no team in college football that could do anything to stop on offense. And by the end of it, the defense was as good as any in college football, too. And you'll see that here over the next three days when, when draft names start coming off the board. So it was a wild ride, one that I'll never forget. For me, I wasn't around in 1958, and most people around here weren't old enough to watch the 1958 team play. So when you look at 2003 was our, our first national championship for this generation. 2007 was another really fun one down in New Orleans. But the 2019 Tigers are, are the gold standard here in Baton Rouge and will be probably forever. Now, uh, we're talking to Hunt Palmer from the LSU Radio Network. Upcoming year, Hunt, uh, do you, do you th- and this might be a tough question for you because we're not really sure what's going on yet, but in the upcoming year, do you think that student athletes, we'll talk about football players in general, should they be asked to come back to compete in the fall if the other students are told not to come back on campus? You know, that's tough. Um, selfishly, we all want sports to be played. It's just, it's part of our day-to-day lives. Uh, it's something that is our distraction from the tough stuff in life and at work and you know, all that. It's just, it's what we do on the weekends. We, we, we watch sports and we pay attention to sports and it's just part of what we do. And to have that taken away is really difficult. But I think we understand that there's a, a lot bigger issues at hand and there are people that are a lot smarter than me the guy who comes on and talks about the LSU Auburn football game that are making these kind of decisions. So I don't have enough information to be definitive. Uh, I certainly understand that there's a massive risk out there and we want to keep people safe and that you know, if we've got to, got to get this thing in check until there's some sort of vaccine or more frequent testing, that that's what we've got to do. But, man, I certainly hope we can play this year. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, the upcoming season, uh, first of all, before we get to the upcoming season, uh, Ed Orgeron, you talked about him a little bit. And if I remember correctly, now I could be off, but you're around that area. He wasn't actually the fans' favorite to take over the LSU Tigers when he did. I mean, what has that man, I mean, what has been the major switch that he does that got this team going last year? Well, he hired Joe Brady and he had Joe Burrow brought in. Uh, they changed what they wanted to do on offense. And, look, there is never been a shortage of offensive talent at LSU. Yes, the offense has grossly underperformed, specifically in the passing game. But if you look at the wide receivers that have come through this program over the last decade, it's, I mean, they're Pro Bowl guys and stars in the NFL. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Dwayne Bowe, DJ Sharks having a great career um, uh, right now in Jacksonville. There have been tons of star receivers in this program, they just haven't had the, the the plan in place to spread the field and throw the football. When, when Les Miles was the head coach at LSU, it didn't matter if you had NFL guys on the outside. They were going to put two tight ends on the field, and they were going to toss it to a stud running back and try to wear you down. That's just the way he wanted to play. So Ed Ogeron 
took Steve Insminger as his offensive coordinator after a failed experiment with Matt Canada that was forced on him. And that's just not a guy who was prepared to spread the field and, and go score. And LSU's offense scored some points last year, but when they played Alabama, they scored zero. So he went to Steve Ensminger at the end of the season and said, look, we got to go to the spread. And Steve Ensminger, in a profession of college coaching and sports coaching that's littered with egos and men who will only do it their way, has none of that. He likes to win, and he loves LSU. He's an alum. He's a Louisiana guy. He's going to finish his career here. He said, Ed, go find a guy to run the spread. I'll learn it, and we'll figure it out. So they went and found Joe Brady from down the road to the Saints, and he said, okay, we're going to go four and five wide. We're going to get in the shotgun, and we're going to try to go score 60 points. And that's what they tried to do. That was the difference. It wasn't the defense. It wasn't the personnel outside of getting Joe Burrow to, to be the, the trigger man. It was the scheme that Joe Brady brought in. Now, before we get to tonight's draft, um, next the upcoming year in college football for LSU, you're losing Joe Brady, obviously, um, the coordinator, and you're losing a bunch of uh, obviously terrific athletes. What are you projecting? How much, if the same success, can uh, the Tigers have next year? from the LSU Radio Network. All right, Hunt, now the big day here, the NFL draft. Um, Joey Burrows, I always say projected because I've learned in this business nothing's definite till it actually happens. Um, projected number one pick by the Bengals tonight. Um, from You know, you talked about him from 2018 to 2019. What First question is, what did you think was Joe's biggest area of improvement from 18 to 19 and what do you think might be uh you know something he needs to work on when he gets to the nfl well burrow last year in 2018 his first year as a starter uh what he did exceptionally well was make decisions he did not turn the ball over until the alabama game that was his first interception of the entire season he nearly set a record uh, at lsu for uh, 
without an interception. Um, so he always made good decisions. He was just put in a terrible position by a bad offensive team that, generally speaking, only had one or two players out in a route. Well, then you put five guys out in a route constantly, and he is making those decisions, but he's got more options. And so all of a sudden, the completion percentage goes through the roof because he always knew where to go with it. He just didn't have places to go. So I think the scheme helped him a ton there. And then it's just being able to play. I mean, you realize by the time he started his first game against Miami in 2018, he had not really played football in three years. He'd just been sitting on the bench at Ohio State. So I think just experience and the scheme were his biggest deal. It's not like he got bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. Um, he just got put in position to do it. And I think in the NFL, just like anything, the, the, the quickest, the thing that's going to be the toughest transition is the speed of the game. Everything just moves a lot faster. Um, but he handled every speed defense they saw last year exceptionally well. Um, it, it's, there are going to be bumps in the road when you go to a bad team and a bad organization, which you will in Cincinnati. But you, you hope that, that you kind of lead the turnaround. And I think that you just can't find a – the one weakness that he'll never um, never improve upon is he's not going to get a stronger arm. But he has plenty of arm. It doesn't look like Brett Favre. It doesn't look like Jamarcus Russell. I mean, he's not going to you know win a long toss competition. But he throws it plenty strong enough, and when he makes the right read, he gets it where it needs to go. So I think he's as good a quarterback prospect as come out in a long time. Now, before we let you go, Hunt, um, you know, I know you've seen, obviously, in your time, a bunch of NFL drafts, but why don't you let the listeners know tonight you're going to be, obviously, watching the NFL draft. And first of all, the first part of the question is what it's going to be like and feel like to see Joe go number one. But according to mock drafts, from what I'm hearing, there could be up to seven first-round Draft picks out of LSU with Justin Jefferson, Clavon Chasen, Patrick Queen, Kristen Fulton, Grant Delpit, and Lloyd Cushenberry is on the brink of first and second round. What, as the radio host that does the pre and post game shows for LSU, what's the moment going to be like when you see all these players, you know, being drafted tonight? because I would imagine it's going to be as highly rated in the NFL draft as there has ever been because we're just dying for something to happen live. And we just haven't had anything live in six weeks to watch. And so tonight, if you're a sports person, because I'm a college guy, I don't, I don't worship the NFL on Sundays. I play a lot of golf on Sundays. Uh, so I, the NFL doesn't really do it for me. But tonight, I'll be locked in for every pick because I haven't seen sports in six weeks. And so the entire country is probably going to be like that. And it's going to be a three-hour infomercial on LSU's 2019 football team. And for the people around here in Baton Rouge and in Louisiana, this is a ride that we'll never forget. Just the 15-0 run, just breaking every record, winning every award they can hand out. This is the most special team any of us has ever seen. And for us, we believe it's the best college football team and the most accomplished football team in the history of the sport. You can debate that. It's subjective. And you want to talk about the Nebraska teams in the 90s, the Miami team, 2000, 2001, you know, you can have that discussion. But for us in, in Louisiana, we're going to take the 2019 Tigers, and this is their final hurrah together. This is the final time that Joe Burrow is an LSU Tiger until he becomes a Bengal and, and the rest of the guys you mentioned. I, I don't know that Cush and Barry will, will get into the first round, but I think Clyde Edwards-Solaire could possibly, and that's the guy that you didn't name. So yeah, I think that there are four guys that are locked to go in the first round tonight, maybe a fifth or a sixth sneak in. Uh, we'll see, but it's going to be a lot of love for the purple and gold, and 
it's kind of the end of the run for what was the most special team we've ever watched. So it'll be a special night in Louisiana for sure, and it's, these guys deserve it. They've, they've given all of us uh, one of the best, best rides in the history of the sport. Yeah, they certainly do deserve it. That goes without question. Hunt, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. All right, you too, my friend. That was Hunt Palmer, uh, the LSU Radio Network. He does the post and pregame shows for the LSU Tigers. We will be back right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. What a great, great conversation that was with Hunt Palmer, the post and pregame host on the LSU Tigers radio network. We talked a lot about Joe Burris, a lot about the LSU Tigers, and also the previous national championship. Just a great, great conversation. Um, as we went to break, there was some breaking news out of the NFL, which we expect a lot of that today. Uh, the Patriots have signed former Jaguars wide receiver Marcus Lee to a one-year deal per Adam Schefter. Uh, that's a one-year deal for Marquise Lee. He's on his way to the New England Patriots. Want to remind you all that if you have any questions, concerns, topics, things that we talked about with our guests that you want to discuss, you can go to franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account, at Larry Frankis. That's with a U-S at the end. Please follow us on Twitter. If you have a Twitter account, stop what you're doing. Go to Twitter and follow us. Some great, great information we put just like on all our pages, our daily podcasts on there for your listening pleasure. We also have a link right here. Go ahead, leave a message. We'll play your message on the next episode and discuss the topic you want to discuss. Um... If you have a Facebook page, go to Frankly Speaking Facebook page. One of the up-and-coming Facebook pages in all the sports nation. We put information. It already has on the Frankly Speaking page that Marquise Lee is a member of the Patriots. We don't waste any time here. Go to Frankly Speaking. Follow us. Listen to us. Like us. Also, if you want to help our program out, uh, you can donate to us or do a sponsorship so that we can continue to get the most updated technology here. We're looking right now to get a rotary phone line so we can do some live shows uh, so that people can call in and ask us questions and we'll have a rotary line so we can handle more than one call at a time. So you can do that as well. And we'll continue to get great guests like the great Hunt Palmer who just joined us from the LSU Network. You know, I thought one of the great, great points that Hunt made is we talked about the, uh, the NFL draft tonight and I agree 100% with Hunt that tonight's NFL draft, simply due to the fact that we all your sports fans have not had any, really any sports to watch unless you watched replays of baseball, basketball, football, hockey games, or previous NFL drafts or shows. But tonight is the first live sporting event, really, in the last 
45, 50 days. So the country's dying to sports, and I think it's going to be by far the highest-rated television NFL draft of all time. I, I, I don't think that's a question. And also, it wasn't mentioned, if in fact the LSU Tigers, which Hunt and I talked about all the different uh, you know, players that might go in tonight's draft, if that's possible, all seven of them, we talked about Joe Burrows, Justin Jefferson, Clavon Chasen, Patrick Queen, uh, Christian Fulton, Grant Pet, and he was questionable on Lloyd Cushenberry, and I forgot the other gentleman that he mentioned that might go. But if seven LSU Tigers go in the first round, that would be a new record. The, the most ever was six, I believe, by the Miami Hurricanes. And based on mock drafts, obviously Joe Burrows, they did 42 mock drafts. Okay, Joe Burrows and Justin Jefferson were both slated to go in the first round in all 42 of them. Then you got uh, Clavon Chasen. He was projected to go in 41 of 42. Patrick Quain was projected to go in 39 of the first round mock drafts out of 42. Christian Fulton was 31 of 42. Grant Delpit was 8 of 42. But I think you're going to see Grant Delpit go uh, a lot. Er I mean, I don't understand why it's only 8. A lot of people are saying the second round. But um, I think he'll be a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, who lost Marquise Lee. So we'll have to wait till that uh, 20th draft by the Jaguars. And then Lloyd Cushenberry was only taken in one of the mock drafts out of 42. So it's an amazing night for LSU. I mean, they won the national championship, and now, you know, they could have seven, you know, up to seven players going in the first round of tonight's draft. Want to remind you that throughout, we got a couple minutes left here, uh, Throughout the day, stay tuned to Frankly Speaking Facebook page. If anything big happens, not just in the NFL, but in any of the sports nation, we will put it on there as soon as we get the information. Once again, if anything does happen, um, we will um, go ahead and bring it to you live. Just reported also that the Bills have exercised the fifth-year option um, on Trey Darius White. Uh, that's the Buffalo Bills have exercised the fifth-year option on Trey Darius White. So, like I said, we're getting information by the minute here. And as we continue to get the information, we will bring it to you on the Frankly Speaking page. Big day tomorrow. We're going to recap, recap the NFL draft. Um, as of now, I don't have any special guests scheduled, and I did that on purpose so that we could see what happens in the draft tonight. So it may be where I try to get somebody else on to talk a little bit about some of the surprises in the NFL draft tonight. You always expect something to be surprised. Number one expected pick, Joey Burrows. The Cincinnati Bengals, 
They said in no way, shape, or form are they going to trade that number one pick. You never know. People have said a lot of things before. want to thank you all for joining us today, and please make sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Frankly Speaking.